Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of August 2nd. I'm your host, D. Swab, Derek Kessinger, alongside the editorial staff of Kevin Kovac, Kyle McFadden, and Robert Holman. And Kovac, my voice is kind of raspy from a great weekend in Fairbury for the Prairie Dirt Classic, but it was for good reason. Uh, place was going bonkers. Ricky Thornton Jr. on a late yellow. You know, his car slow, started slowing down. They throw the yellow. He fires back off. They just The officials put him in six on the restart. I would say there's a lot of boo birds for that. Uh, we can get into that more and more. But he restarts six with, you know, I think around, what was it, 20-some laps ago? 21 laps, laps ago, right? That 21 laps 20, left. Lap 79. Uh, personally, I thought maybe like at worst you could put him like fourth just because he slowed down. Those other two guys maybe going into one could have passed him. Some people were saying second. That's where he crossed the line. But they did put him six, and he made this furious, fired-up comeback to pick up the payday, pass Bobby Pierce late, putting falls into a frenzy, another instant classic at the quarter-mile bowl ring in Illinois. But all in all, Ricky Thornton Jr., uh, passes the favorite, I would say, all weekend long. It was Bobby Pierce this, Bobby Pierce that. He falls short yet again, but Ricky Thornton Jr., RTJ. I'm running out of stuff to say about him, but that was that was impressive. Usually his races, he's dominating, or it's pretty easy for him, but he had quite quite a Saturday night at Fairbury. Yeah, that was that. I think that goes to the top of the list of his wins this year, the way that happened. Uh, um, it was pretty incredible how he... Uh, it only it didn't even take him 10 laps to get back in the lead eight laps and he was back in the lead after restarting sixth uh i i kind of had a feeling he could get back up there after they put him back uh because of that because he had that crank trigger break i mean that's something that probably was because of that racetrack you could see him go in i was inside of turn three um watching from the infield and he goes in the turn and the car kind of caught the the cushion there and then it just popped it goes pop you just heard this pop and, it, and it's in the motor cut. And I'm like, I mean, and then I kind of lost track of him because there was a lot of people and, you know, everybody was standing in the hot pits there. And um, so I couldn't see him go all the way down the straightaway, but I saw him slowing drastically. And the other, there's three guys, you know, full bore. It was Pierce, uh, Gustin, and O'Neill were right behind him, literally. I mean, three wide, they had gone into thir- turn three behind him. So they were on him like in a, in a, in a flash trying to split them. I mean, so that, that's kind of why the yellow came out. I mean, Steve Francis was on the inside of a uh, turn four and he made an immediate caution call. Cause it looks like those guys are going to run him over. Um, and it didn't, it, it's, you thought he might be done. I mean, the way that car stopped, it was, uh, I mean, the cars just shut off. You're like, man, he broke. I mean, he broke a drive shaft. He, you know, he, the motor just is done or, and then going into turn one, he was able to get flip the switch and get it to the, uh, you know, the, uh, the a secondary ignition there that's connected to the distributor and got it going again once the yellow's already out. Um, so you're like, all right, maybe what, what's it going to happen? Can, I thought he could get through there. I thought he could get back up there. He had already shown how hard he was running to get the lead on lap 71. So uh, I, it was pretty obvious he had a really good race car, and then that just made him matter. I mean, he when Kenny Canada came out there, the World of Outlaws tech official, uh, he came out in the backstretch to tell him where he was supposed to restart, which is debatable. You know, the blend rule is supposed to be where you kind of get back, come back up to speed to get into the field. And if you look at that video, he was really, he was behind 
Pierce in turn one still when he got back up to, you know, like the car was back under power. Uh, probably should have been there. Maybe I, I just one speculation is the next they put him behind Brian Shirley, sixth place. The car that was behind Brian Shirley was Dennis Herb Jr., who cars kind of look alike. I mean, you know, if you're if in the heat of the moment, officials could look at that and maybe see Dennis Herb Jr.'s car instead of uh, and think that was him, you know, with everything that was going on. Uh, so maybe that's why I don't know they didn't obviously they didn't go back to the video because it probably would have been wouldn't have been sixth place. Uh, but he was uh, made him mad. He actually went back to Kenny Canada after the race and uh, and apologized for like being a little angry and, you know, firing off like when he talked to him and told him where to go. So uh, but man, it, it was one heck of a show. Man, that car was bounced. He had rear wheels off the ground on the way back up through there. Just thought it was really crazy that he wins the race like uh, on the outside bound pound in the cushion and that's usually the way bobby pierce races there <laughs> a lot of places but that cushion wasn't to his liking so uh but and and thornton could just let it all hang out no points to think about anything like that and he was gonna win it or wreck it and he and he won it yeah to put the fairberry faithful especially on the back stretch into a frenzy like you said to pass all those cars yep. and that quick Shepard, Brian Shirley, they were running top most tonight. I mean, Hudson O'Neill, he had a fast car. And then Bobby Pierce, you thought maybe Bobby was going to try to hold on there on top, which he did a few times, but he just couldn't keep that car balanced. And uh, Ricky Thornton Jr. just waved at all of them goodbye and picked up, you know, uh, over $60,000 in wins. And D-Swab, you said about, like, the crowd. Ricky Thornton mentioned that. He said it was so exciting. He could feel – I mean, he, he could sense the crowd – as he's making those moves and coming up back for the lead there, he said he could look up in the back stretch. The front stretch is, you know, farther back. So he couldn't quite see those fans as well, but he could see the people, you know, cheering and pumping their fists and everything. And he said that even got him going even more because you don't always see that at a lot of racetracks. Yeah. And Kyle McFadden, it just seems like they put something in the water there at Fairbury. And I know it must like go into like just the soul of the place. Cause there's always some crazy controversy Always some shenanigans out of the, you know, the finish, uh, crazy passes at the end. You get the crowd involved and I don't know, everybody just leaves it, leave it. Everybody leaves there for the most part. It's like, I can't wait to go back. Uh, I don't know. It was a great run by Ricky Thornton Jr. He just continues this dominant performance. But like Kovac said, how impressed were you just on your vantage point just to see it, you know, uh, unfold there on Dirt Vision? Yeah, at first it was like, I was trying to figure out what the heck happened to him, right? Like, and how he managed to keep going and resume. And, and, uh, immediately, like, you know, I thought it was something in the ignition, right? And so that came out to be true. And then you're wondering, well, you know, how good is Ricky Thornton Jr.? You know, how good is his race car, right? Like, clearly throughout that race, like Pierce, and Ricky Thornton, like they were the, 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 the two drivers to beat, right? Like the whole race. And that's been pretty much all, all summer long. Those two, no matter what race they've been like showing up to, it's usually been most of the time, a lot of the time, those two battling it out there for the win. Right. So you have obviously the, the, the top two drivers and our top 25 pole going at it. So you have that also that layer to add to the excitement. But um, once he got up to third, 
like immediately after the restart, I'm like, okay, like, I think, I think he's going to win this thing. And so, um, I mean, to only take him eight laps to get back around Bobby, um, and then win by six seconds, almost half a lap, not quite half a lap, but almost, um, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Right. And so, um, but I wasn't entirely shocked right to see him come back i mean he's been so good this year he's been so determined um and it's needless to say you know since his win at the show me was pulled from him uh after um you know failing to meet the post-race deck requirements rear deck uh, requirements and so um i could tell after that because i was there that night and um that that moment had was about to launch Ricky Thornton Jr. into this summer to what trajectory and to what degree I didn't know then, but I knew for a fact that it wasn't going to take him very long to not only win his first $50,000 race of the year, but his second and then third, I think he's at four or five victories now of wins of more than 50,000. So um and he's not done he's not slowing down anytime soon so um i was not surprised to see him come from sixth and honestly bobby pierce was not surprised as well you know if you listen to his post-race interview i mean he wasn't you lead 74 laps and you don't really seem outwardly like all that mad or all that disappointed or all that like dejected so I think he was pretty accepting of the fact that Ricky just had that good of a race car um, and that Bobby that 50, had a second place. That 57, that you know, the, the, the 50, all that $500 in lap money that he got too. And then that, that, too. that helped out Bobby had, Pierce. If he hadn't gotten that, he would have been a little bit more money. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he would have been a little bit more upset about finishing second again in the PDC. But man, he almost made as much money as, as Ricky Thornton did for winning the race and also kept him in the points lead. So, he had some other layers, other, uh, you know, other factors in there. I think that, uh, that really, I mean, he, he wasn't heartbroken this time. Like he's been after other PDCs, I think, right, Robert, I mean, probably if you saw any of those interviews with Bobby and, and, and then think about that, I mean, you'd realize, man, geez, that guy had a pretty good night, even though he finished second. Yeah. I mean, he, I was thinking the exact same thing that you were. I mean, he, he got a hell of a lot of money. You know, and it, it, it makes a big difference, you know, when, you know, he was fast. He's eventually going to win the race. Eventually, I think. I don't think it's going to elude him forever. But, shoot, he, he won a lot of money that night. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the crazier things, too, when you're listening to Victor Lane. He's like, oh, great points tonight. Kept the car in one piece. Telling, uh, I think he tweeted, like, the track was just as rough as uh, the Dome, which I think is a little crazy. He tweeted that yesterday or two days ago. And you're like, wow, I never thought I'd see Bobby Pierce like just concede getting second because of that huge payout like Kovac said. And I think he knew deep down that Ricky Thornton Jr. was at a different area code. We will get back to more February stuff and the yellow flags that had happened all weekend long, including Miles Moose we'll get into. Uh, Robert Holman, just Southern Nationals ended. Dale McDowell finishes the final two nights with wins. Jimmy Owens wins at Tri-County. He wins the Southern Nationals and – we were talking about it last week. Man, would we ever think Jimmy Owens two, three years ago would win a Southern Nationals title? Well, here we are, closing weekend at uh, for the Ray Cook series. Just 
championship for him. Much needed, I think, after just a abysmal 2023 season all the way up until here, the Southern Nationals. And then, you know, like fine wine, Del McDowell just getting three victories on the tour as well. Yeah, I think it, uh, you know, with, with Jimmy, I just think it made a lot of sense for him to to run that. You know, him and his teammate, Jordan Kohler, they're not, like, necessarily going to the same places. Uh, it's not like those kind of teammates. They have separate haulers. They keep their cars in separate places. Uh, so they have different schedules. But it just made a lot of sense for them to run this deal together. Uh, just because of, of Jimmy, I think, uh, he's he's not following you know the Lucas deal. He's not following the World of Outlaws deal. And most of these races were relatively close, you know, for him. They're not like just driving to South Dakota or something, where he's not guaranteed a provisional. And you know, when you're running all over the country, and you're you're get seven hundred dollars tow money or a thousand dollars tow money, whatever that is, guaranteed. Uh, plus, you're guaranteed pretty much a provisional, which most of these races pay between five and a thousand to start. So you're, you're basically guaranteed if you're a guy like Jimmy Owens back in the day, or I shouldn't even say back in the day, I should just say two years ago, you're guaranteed pretty much a, a starting spot and you're pretty much guaranteed $1,500 just to show up. So that's, you know, most people don't take that into consideration. So when you're, when you don't have those guarantees, it just makes a lot of sense to not go to those races, you know, especially when you're not running well and, you know, we know it's, I don't know if we should say well-documented, but it has been documented that Jimmy was struggling a bit this year. So uh, he's he's gotten out of the Longhorn. He's gotten back into uh, his rocket, said he feels more comfortable. He finally got him a win, and it just made sense for him to run this deal closer to home. And to see him win it once, once he, you know, decided this is, I'm going to run all of these, to see him win it, not a shock at all. Uh, I think that he's, you know, I think if, if Dale McDowell had decided to follow the whole thing, uh, then it would have been a, a not maybe a different story. I don't know. It, it would have been a def, definitely a, it's hard to say it would have been much closer because heck it was close going, you know, between, you know, Jimmy had, he got very fortunate there at the end that, uh, Donald McIntosh actually got caught up in that crash, uh, early in because Donald was man, he was fast. He came from the back. Talk about rallies. He came from the back at Tazewell from like 16th or something like that, all the way back to fourth and the last car on the lead lap. Well, when he got in that crash, he was running for second. So who's to say that he wouldn't have had something for, for Dale. And if he wins that thing and, and Jimmy finishes fourth, then, then Donald McIntosh, I think wins the series. That's how close it was. So I don't think because they have a drop, you, you can drop your worst uh, a race. And they only had eight races, not their usual 10 or 11 or whatever it is because of all the rainouts. I, I really feel for Ray Cook because of all these, these weather situations. And you had Boyd's, which got replaced with North Georgia, but Boyd's, you know, closed. And then Bulls Gap changes uh, man managers. And so that race gets scrapped. So you had all these situations that, that Ray Cook was trying to juggle. And then Mother Nature is just like literally oh, just not playing nice. It's really bad. But, uh, but yeah, as far as the tour goes, it was really close. Dale McDowell's Dale McDowell. You know, they're doing smart things too. Dale and Shane, they're running the races really close to home. That pay $10,000. So you look at the races that, that uh, Dale won, 
you know, I think he pocketed in winnings like $30,000 plus, you know, so it's very smart for him to do what he did. So all in all, it was a, a pretty good tour. Uh, I'll be the first to say that I, you know, I don't really like all the tracks that they go to, but still, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's the Southern nationals. It was hot as hell. Uh, I thought I was going to melt a couple of those days. Uh, generally speaking though, congratulations to Jimmy Owens. Congratulations to Jordan Kohler on his uh, uh, rookie of the year deal as well. It was really good for those two teammates to get out there and do what they did. Yeah. And it's been a staple in Durkin for a while now here. Uh, kudos to Jimmy Owens for the wins and Dale McDowell, just veterans of the sport. And then, yeah, the Kohler gut kid, uh, congrats. We always need the up and comers to show out and make some noise. Uh, so topic today, we had a couple yellow controversies over at Fairbury. Obviously we let off the show with the blend in rule, which they threw the yellow prematurely, but I think, which we might not agree with where they put him at. Some people might argue second, third, fourth, but definitely not six. Others might argue, hey, if we didn't have the blend rule back in the day, you threw the yellow, you might go sent to the back. You're the one that caused the yellow. So it helped Ricky Thorne Jr. in a way that he wasn't sent to the back. Uh, then the night before, we had Miles Moose, Heartbreak City. I can't believe that happened. It had left the whole whole dirt late model world social media stunned of this kid set fast time in his group, and he's getting ready to cross the checkered flag, and the yellow flag comes out. I would say maybe he was like 600 feet the most from getting that when he was checked out. Then the next restart, he loses the tire, and it just just goes into an absolute, just a madhouse. So, Kovac, with these yellow controversies the last, you know, last couple weeks, uh, we've seen him before, dirt late model dream with Dennis Earl Jr. He's getting ready to cross the line. Uh, we touched on Ricky Thornton Jr.'s, so if you want to mention the blend rule again, we can, but what's just your thoughts on like just the last lap yellows when they come out like that? Uh, I don't even think even NASCAR, I think once they reach the white flag, the race is over. So they don't even do it where, you know, you're getting ready to cross the checkered flag. The guy might be wrecked in the backstretch three and four. We've seen that Eldora plenty of times in heat races and other races as well, but what's just your overall initial thoughts and how they flagged the last lap. I know you guys talked about it touchly or briefly, I mean, excuse me, you know, during fast talk. Yeah, well, the NASCAR situation, we probably can't use that because they really don't race back to the to the checkered flag uh, right. they, uh, uh, on the last lap because they have so many transponder loops all around the racetrack and they just use it like wherever the caution comes out, if it's in turn two or turn three or whatever. As soon as the leader takes the white flag, the next flag ends the race. And that's kind of, that's not exactly a great way to end a race. I don't think, you know, like just this guy happened to nose ahead off a turn two or something. And and then they, that's the winner. That's, that's anticlimactic. I really anticlimactic really in, in my opinion, but um, as for dirt late model racing, if there's a, I kind of feel like if there's a guy leading the race coming off a turn four within sight of the flag stand, which Miles Moose was when he dominated that race the entire way, uh, and then there is no accident, as long as there's not an accident or a stopped car, right, or a slow car, right in that little stretch off of turn four to the flag stand or into turn one on the straightaway, then man, that race has to end. I mean, I I feel like I mean just because. A car in, in Moose's case, there was Garrett Albertson that broke a rear end and was pulled off the track, you know, under the berm 
inside the tires in turn three. And that's why I was right in front of me, actually, where I was standing. I turned around and the car was right there on the other side of the Jersey barrier. Uh, and that's, he was off the racetrack. You could say, I mean, I guess that you could say, uh, he, there wasn't a, a marker tire behind him. So a car, you know, that he was vulnerable from the back, I guess, you know, like if you, if you want to get technical, but it sure seemed like he was off. It, it shouldn't have, it certainly didn't affect the leader, uh, who was already ready to take the checkered flag in, uh, and if I'm looking at this and saying, like, I know that there's times in a race where the, the, the race, the caution will be held until they take the lap. You know, the officials will be, take that lap, let the leader come across. The whole field does not go across the line to take the lap. I mean, it might have, it's usually a leader plus three or something like that uh, to get a lap in. That whole rest of the field didn't actually complete that lap. So why does the whole field have to complete that last lap if we're going to do the deal where, hey, it's the same as the, you know, you, you officiate the whole race. That would be the same. It'd be a yellow, like yellow checker. And those guys in the, that haven't crossed the line yet would just hold their position. So um, and, and, and be able to slow down and not get in that, and get in an incident with somebody who stopped or an accident on the backstretch or turn two or something. That's kind of the way I see it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I agree with that. Totally. I think. Obviously, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I think why series do that is for safety, A, and B. Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't want to see a green-white checkered where the guy was checked out and you can see oh, a yeah. crazy photo finish. So you can – I think kind of like that's the Eldora way. I think they, the reason they did that is they definitely want mm-hmm. it because at the time, Dennis served junior, Illinois never won a race. So when that yellow came out, he's literally right in front of the flag saying they throw it for yep. God knows what to have this kind of, you know – showcase of the finish which luckily Dennis or Jr. won and you know all the Land of Lincoln people can exhale but yeah I could see why they do it just to have a green white checkered great photos finish but I mean I don't know Kyle what's your thoughts on it I saw you you, you had a decent answer as well uh it's kind of like a gray area I know it's in the rule books but it's kind of a gray area as well because sometimes an official may call it sometimes they may not uh, back in the day, we just had the flagmen. They had to make all the calls. Now they have somebody in their ear. Sometimes I've heard flagmen. I mean, I've seen flagmen just throw the yellow, and I hear the director say, hey, we don't do that, blah, blah, blah. Well, it doesn't matter because if they throw the yellow and the lights come on, you're going to have to call it. But, you know, there's a lot of variables, and it can be tough at times. Yeah, for sure. I um, When I was at, it was a very <clears> – <throat> the one – incident or at least the one like scenario to where I had covered a race this year um, to where there was like sort of a gray area to where it came down to a judgment call on the race director's end was uh, the summer nationals race at Hobstadt, right? Where Shannon Pad was leading that whole race. And then um, unfortunately the um, a slower car, comes up um breaks something in the front suspension knocks shannon literally out of the lead at the worst possible time that car is going slow he had clearly broke something just collided with shannon bab dylan thompson goes on takes takes the win i talked with shannon after the race he thought a yellow flag should have came out um, I talked with the dirt car summer nationals race director that night. I forget his name. Sorry about that. But he gave a great answer to that as to why, the, as to why the race ended as it did. 
And it was because um, even though that slower lap car that had knocked Shannon Babb out of the way, yeah, he was slow, but he wasn't, he wasn't a sitting duck in the middle of the racetrack and he wasn't a, a safety hazard. Um, if he had completely stopped or spun around, um, even as Dylan Thompson was about to take the checkered, right. Um, then he probably would have thrown the yellow right then and there. And so, but even then, like that's like Shannon in the moment, even though he had lost that race, didn't agree. Um, you know, it, it, it made sense to me as to why he, he, he kept the race going like that. And so, um, I just think in a, like a situation like that, yeah, it just comes down. Oh, you, you can't be perfect. Right. With how we officiate the last lap, um, you know, because just, just every scenario is its own. Every situation is its own. And yeah, we've seen duplicate situations and scenarios over the years and whatnot. And, and, um, and, and, and that hones your judgment as a race director. And so, but um, I agree with Kevin and um, I think it's pretty obvious, like, um, to like, if, if, if there's a safety hazard, right. Like say for instance, uh, it's the last lap. Um, and you know, there's a battle for the lead and on the other end of the track, like say, um, like right past the start finish line, there's a, a huge pileup, um, between some of the slower cars. It's not in the lead pack. I mean, you, you, you'd probably have to throw the yellow there on the last lap. Cause if, if, if the track's blocked, you know, like why would you continue or, you know, even race back to the checkers if there's a pile up right beyond the start finish line. I mean, those are just like some scenarios that I think of when like talking like about this and it's an open-ended subject, but at some point, you know, there, there, there has to be some kind of rule. And Robert said it best too. in in the fast talk, um, unless if it says in the rule book that the white flag or once the white flag is displayed, um, you know, there, there, there are exceptions as to, you know, how cautions are managed on, on the last lap, as opposed to every other lap. So, um, those are my thoughts on it. Yeah. Like you said, Robert, it's all subjective too. It can't be perfect because it is a human element into it. You know, definitely, it's definitely one of the most objective things that we have since they, since most of them, most series don't have like uh, rules where they try to decipher who the caution is on and stuff like that, which, you know, uh, that was, that's pretty subjective a lot of times, but yeah, throwing the caution is, uh, is a, a lot of times very subjective. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, well, he's getting off the track. Why are you throwing a caution? I think we we see that a lot, you know, a caution come out prematurely, you know, give a guy a second. I've seen cautions come out before, you know, with the, with the national tours and, and a lot of regional tours, you know, they give laps for uh, courtesy laps for, to change a tire. So a guy has a flat, going to pull up and stop when technically he could get off the track, but he's got to have that caution. So his crew will have time to change a tire. Uh, do I like that? Not necessarily. You know, I think, I don't, it's gotten to so bad over the last 
couple of years that I wish they didn't even give courtesy laps to change a tire anymore. I, I'm so over guys pulling up by themselves, causing a caution, and then either pulling off or I'm over it. So, but yeah, it's like, I think Kevin's story, uh, Steve Francis in that said that he's the one that caused the caution because uh, call, called for the caution because he heard Ricky's uh, motor pop so as a race car driver, he knows that Ricky probably has lost a motor or something right there. So he knows that he's no longer under power. So he's thinking in his head, we got to have a caution to get this guy off the track. He didn't really know, as we come to find out, he didn't know why his car popped. You know, he didn't know that it backfired like that, uh, like that because of the crank trigger. So once Ricky flips the switch and goes back to his, uh, the, the distributor, then he takes off just fine. There's no way that Steve Francis could have known that was the problem. So in his defense, he thought, he thought that Ricky was, had broke a motor, was dead in the water. Caution comes out. That's not what happened. He was, he was, believe it or not, Steve Francis was wrong. Uh, he could not have known that he was wrong at that moment. So that's why that is definitely subjective. Uh, so yeah, I've been, I could talk on this for days. I was at Tri-County uh, Thursday and a car pulled off the track, but was definitely close enough where as a photographer, I would not go stand there because I'd be fearful for my life. But yet the caution never came out. He was off the track. So you can't just say, let him get off the track either because every track is different. Every track, the exit is different. You can't say if he's sitting in turn one, if he's sitting in turn two, it had the rules have to be written um, specifically for racing, not specifically for tracks. Uh, exits are different. Entrances are different. Uh, okay. At North Georgia, you had a guy that have a flat tire that cost Carson Ferguson a race. He's trying to get off the track. North Georgia, quite frankly, sucks in terms of getting on and off the track because there's no way it's, you got to go to the infield and there's a wall all the way around it. And there's only two entrances. So you've got to get, he was on the outside trying to get down. Now, um, what he should have done is probably just go ahead and took the flat tire and gone up to the wall and stopped and, and let them draw a caution, let them throw a caution. But here's a guy who's trying to keep from having a caution. He's trying to get off the track and winds up costing Carson Ferguson for a race. So it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, I felt terrible for Carson Ferguson, but then at the same time, the guy's trying to get off the track at a track it's terrible to get off of. So you have to know, one time, my brother is trying to get off the track at Duck River when he was, first year he started to race, and he was trying to get off the track at the worst possible exit, and that's the exit, that's where you come off of turn two to get off the track. The race is wide open. He... He's trying to get off the track right there, and he throws his arm out the window, letting people know he's going to slow down. Scott Cook comes around there and damn near wipes them both out. He hits him. It cost Scott Cook the race, okay? Well, what my brother should have done was rolled down the straightaway and caused a caution or pulled to the infield where there are no walls, and that's something that we discussed on the way home. It was his first year to race, okay? So that's something we talked about on the way home. Next time you have to get off the track, you got to know where the best place to get off the track is. Okay. Do it to the infield at Duck River because there's no walls there. If you can get down, you know, 
So, like I said, everything is different at all these tracks. Now, what I would suggest, I like Kevin, like I agree with Kevin 100% that when the white flag comes out, the race is pretty much over. I think you should race back to the checkered flag unless the track is, unless they got five cars stacked on top of each other and the track is blocked. Again, that is subjective. That's going to be subjective also because the race official has to determine whether or not it's a safety issue for anyone piling up into them. So, uh, but, uh, but that also drivers have to know, I don't want you guys to, I don't want anyone that read my, my fast talk and to say, well, you said that, that if one race, if the first 49 laps are scored one way, then the last one has to be scored that way. I agree with that. If that's the way the rules are written, I think there should, I think the last lap should be the exception when the white flag comes out. You race back to the checkered flag unless the track is blocked or unless it's a safety issue determined by the race official. So, you know, we wouldn't have all these problems with some of these last lap deals like you guys are talking about if if that was the case. So, um, you know, every situation is different. Every track is different. Everything should be treated differently, in my opinion. There's no 100% fix-all for, for all of the caution situations that we deal with week in and week out in our sport. Yeah, and I think the most subjective thing is, too, because it's human errors, what do they consider a safety issue or not? I think that my, the Miles Moose situation, and Kovac will probably agree, Okay, yeah, they probably should have let that one go. If you watch the video again, he's at the turn four tire, getting ready to cross the finish line. You can see Garrett Albertson. He's still a good 15 feet away from everybody. But if you're the directors, what if another car needs to pull off or he, his brakes aren't working and he that's the only way he can go instead of smoking the wall, and that little lane there is not going to be there. Ricky Thornton Jr., I think we all can agree, hey, the yellow probably should have been thrown out there because we've seen plenty of times where a car stalls like that and you have up two, three guys behind him battling for second, throwing sliders. This could be pretty dangerous. Now, what we don't agree on that situation, right, Kovac, is they put him back to six, which he should have been like second, third, or fourth range. So I think I think it's very – the human element's the very big part of this. I just keep reiterating it because they're thinking, is this a safety thing or not a safety thing? Do we need to call this? Do we need to not? I think Eldora, they just call it just because they want a you know, great, great finish. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. Hey, hey, that uh, the Miles Moose deal uh, that created a wild uh, finish there. Oh that's my for god! Sure because yeah, like set off all I kinds of things. I mean, I mean, it happened. You know, Miles Moose, right? Miles Moose loses his wheel on the first restart, and it's a green white checker too. I remember that too. I mean, you lost. You had to go back a lap for that restart, and then on the next one, your boy McKay Winger. You know, there he is. He's the hometown guy ready to win also. I mean, so that was just as good of a story as Miles Moose winning, uh, potentially winning. Here he is ready to win one of his, uh, I mean, I, I could see the crowd up there. I mean, I know all those winger people were up there ready to, to celebrate. And then he goes in and he gets a flat tire, you know, like while, while battling Shannon Babb for the lead. And then on that restart, Shannon Babb, you know, he, he said he just, you know, pretty much messed up he said he said he was hoping his fans didn't see what he did because he pushed when he went in there and that let ryan gustin win so that really shook up things uh in that 25 lapper but um but i when i i kind of look at this all you know like when you're talking about yelfa that's why you have good race directors that's why you have a that's why you're supposed to hire experienced race directors so that they can uh you know like have the the knowledge the experience the 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 uh you know 
to, to know when to throw that caution. And, and, and again, even the most experienced ones aren't going to get everything right. Every race car driver, these are split second decisions a lot of times. So like, just like that, uh, with the Ricky Thornton, I mean, like Robert was talking about Steve Francis, experienced race car driver. He sees that he's not up in the tower, but he's right there in turn four and he sees the car and hears the car. Uh, you know, pop and and have no uh, have no sound in the motor anymore, and he sees cars behind him. He knows this is potentially bad. He's not expecting Ricky Thornton to be able to flip that switch and get that car going again within you know two seconds after that. Uh, he just didn't. You're not not expecting that, so you kind of go with your gut and feel like, man, this could really be bad if we don't throw an immediate caution. Um, and, and race car drivers in the same thing. I mean, race car drivers could complain about the, the officials calls or something, but how about race car drivers? They make plenty of mistakes too. You know, I mean, they're not, <laughs> they're not perfect out there. Everything's a split second decision. So uh, they're going to make a wrong move or something when they shouldn't have. Um, so you just try to do the best you can, but everything's not going to be perfect when you got uh, a lot of stuff going on on the, on the racetrack. Think about, think about what would have happened had, he not called a caution and the three cars behind him would have wiped out all four of them, how much heat they would have mm-hmm. gotten for not throwing a caution. Okay. Right. You exactly. can't have it Could both ways. Worse, you, right. you know, yeah, you can't have it both ways thinking, well, you should have thrown a caution, but, but maybe, maybe hold it just a split. No, you got to make a decision. Yeah. Cause like you said, it's split second. If they hadn't thrown a caution right there and you'd wiped out the top four cars, Francis and the race director, everybody would have been just, they would have thrown them under the bus, you know, under the, literally under the bus there at February. Yeah. 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 They're like a problem, you know, like not, not making decisions is really the, it's, it's, it's everything you could talk about. Like that factors in everything. If you're like, if you wait too long, it's better to probably be forceful and, and, and maybe wrong than uh, wait and, you know, timid and, and be in, in, and really cause some kind of big problem, you know, like, I mean, you know, yeah. And I think probably did head off something because man, those cars were, that was a special situation. It wasn't like Ricky Thornton slowed down with a big gap. Like, man, if he just slowed down with that six second lead at the end of the race and had that same thing happen, Hey, there's a little extra time that you could see to, to let that happen, let that play out. But man, when you got three cars really, really racing hard all over the place behind, I mean, they were directly behind them. Yeah, you you can't you can't wait and see how it how it uh, you know how everything figures out there. Right, I think that's why I think if you had have asked most most fans about just the yellow itself on that situation, I don't think they're going to be too mad about it. It was obviously where they put Ricky Thornton Jr. with the blend rule, which is one of the rules that may hurt or help uh, with yellow flags. Uh, it also depends on the racetrack, like Robert says, like. Garrett Alberson had to go in the infield there in that situation because it's very hard to turn and you know turn right there in three when cars are coming right at you full speed trying to run that cushion and just say if hey if he doesn't get a good you know exit hits the wall or stalls and you're in big big trouble as well so a lot of factors play in it I just know for the most part the race directors are trying their best they're keeping the safety in mind of the drivers and as well producing the best product on the racetrack so yellow flags where it's the final lap or what happened with Ricky Thornton Jr. It's going to be in our going to be in races. Not the first time this past weekend. It won't be the last. So one more thing, Kyle McFadden, what do you got to end the show? Yeah, I was just going through, I had mentioned this in my fast talk, but I mean, there's a nice little points battle brewing in the ULMS 
Pennsylvania area based uh, regional series between Tyler Emery and Ryan Montgomery. Only one point separates uh, Tyler Emery atop the leaderboard and uh, Ryan Montgomery. So, and also both of them had picked up wins this past week and two on the series, actually both their first ever wins on the series ever in their careers uh, this past weekend. So <clears throat> there's um, there, I think there's four races left in that series and I'll be at the next one um, September 1st at Bedford. So um, look forward to that and uh, seeing what comes from um, that uh, the, the uh, most hotly contested regional series or series points battle that we have right now in the sport. We like good tight points battles. No doubt about that. Uh, Robert Holman, what do you got? I'm, I'm actually going to stick with some Fairbury stuff here. Uh, something that really hasn't been mentioned. My one more thing is why would anyone not think that Ricky Thornton Jr. could come back to the front in 20 laps? We don't mind inverting cars and we don't mind a six, a six invert at Eldora. Granted, it's a twice, the track's twice as big. Uh, so, you, so 20 laps there is twice as long, but we don't mind a six invert at, at a lot of places as fans. Uh, and we don't think that it handicaps the fastest car. So clearly he had the fastest car. He had 20 laps to get it done. I don't know why anyone would think he wouldn't have people like, do you really think he could have come back and won? Hell yeah. Why, why wouldn't he? He just, he just rolled by him. It took him a long time to get the lead, but he just rolled by him and was leading the race. He was clearly the fastest car at that moment. Why couldn't he have come back and won? You know, I'm a personal fan of inverts. I think it makes things exciting. We got an invert with 20 to go. It was great. Not really a true invert, but you know, we got the leader sit back, sit back to the to six with 20 to go. Hell yeah. Uh, so, you know, I don't think that anybody should have been surprised that the fastest car on the track came back and won the race with 20 to go at Fairbury. He was clearly, hell, not only did he win it, he checked out. And like I said to someone on Facebook, in his interview, he should have used the Scott Bloomquist thing. When they put me to the back, it was over. That's what he should have said when he got out, you know? So, anyway, why would anybody be surprised at that? Yeah, it was a, a performance that no one will ever forget, watching it online, there at the track. Rick RTJ will never forget about it. I'm sure that uh, it was great, great uh, run from six there. And the show was over. When they put me to six, I was going to lap the field. Uh, yeah, he should have used that quote. Good there. Good thinking there, Robert. My one more thing is I just want to give a shout out to uh, the Shriners golf outing at Fairbury. They raised over $40,000. It was the 10th annual. Uh, and of course, they always run it uh, the Thursday of the Prairie Dirt Classic in the morning at the Indian Creek Country Club. Then they have a nice auction of door panels and other nice prizes uh, people can bid on. Uh, so wanted to give a shout out to all the drivers like Kyle Strickler, Tyler Herb. Uh, the list goes on on Trevor Gundaker. They are the champions to win it this year. Uh, they had 24 teams and to raise over $40,000 in one day when you have like the drivers and race fans and uh, business owners coming together and making that possible. Cause I know those kids at Shriner have to go through a lot. So anything that we can do to help them out and I'll uh, raise a, uh, raise a whole boatload of money in one night to get the party kicked off at the Prairie Dirt Classic. So I just want to give, uh, Eric Jarks and Dan Kukuk, they're really the ones that spearheaded along with Abby Hofford, I know, help, and uh, Dan Kukuk's wife, Sarah, which was a great, great golf day, and it was hot as hell, and everybody stayed hydrated for the rest of the weekend. <laughs> Kovac, what do you got? 
I give a shout out also to all you uh, guys who played in that tournament, you know, because man, there was a time, it was a hot one. Like we were like, I was the auction was worse though. I think. Yeah, it did seem it like brutal. it was so sticky at night, man. The band, it, it seemed like it just, it never cooled off all that Thursday. Uh, it was so, it was so humid out. Everybody just, everybody you talked to had sweat rolled down. But that golf tournament, man, you, we were, I was thinking about it, thinking about you when you're out there. Derek was not as red as I was expecting either. I was expecting much more sunburn on, on Derek after that first day. But yeah, so, but that was, that was a hot one. Uh, I, just for one more thing, I want to give a little, uh, you know, Thanks and shout out to like I had several people, several fans uh, come up to me during the weekend at uh, uh, at Fairbury and say that they are loyal listeners to our pod, our, our, our you know, little podcast here of, of Dirt Reporters. And they listen to it all the time, going to work, coming home from work, you know, whenever they get a chance, you know, in the car. Uh, and, and they're they're big fans, they said, of a. Uh, of, uh, of our of our talking that we do every week and kind of feel feels good to know that they're all watching and uh, listening and uh, and, and uh, liking what we you know enjoying what we talk about every week here this is what 117 episodes now I believe so uh, it's uh people are still listening out there and you know all of you every all of you thanks a lot to know what yeah. we have 26 listeners is great right that's yeah, right that's awesome. you know I mean I do just mark them down. Like at least we got some people listening, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, some of us, some people are calling us Davey, Mickey, Michael, and Peter, uh, the monkeys, so, you, know, <laughs> you know, the fab four that does, do this every single week. And I don't know if, uh, Kyle McFadden knows who the monkeys are, but, uh, we'll see. Yeah. Go. He doesn't know the monkeys. Davey Jones. Wait, wait, go look you don't at, know uh, the monkeys? My one more thing next show every afternoon. Hey, yeah. See what go, I uh, Go look up Davy Jones and no. take a side by side photo of uh, Jason Cover. They're twins. That's all Jason I got to say. Cover, I, yes. uh-huh. I think they're twins. Uh, but all in all, uh, Crazy Prairie Dirt Classic, Yellow Flag uh, came part of the show there. Uh, great weekend. We got plenty of stuff this weekend. We're going to have USA Nationals highlights. Kovac will be up there. Uh, we'll have the Wood Tick Live. We'll have Brownstown Live. We'll have plenty. Plenty of big shows this weekend on Flow Racing, so be sure to keep your browsers locked in to both websites, dirtondirt.com and Flow Racing. Until next week, this is the Dirt Reporters. Thank you for watching and listening.